Welcome back, everybody. It's another beautiful week out here from Seattle, Washington. And we have a very exciting guest. I'm really excited. So we have B from Mix Plumby, who is a Twitch streamer, and they share all about intersectionality, their Twitch stream, and... Being a non-binary disabled streamer. It's an amazing episode. We are so blessed that they wanted to come on and talk to us. So just, like, sit back down, and today you're gonna learn. And it was really... It was very personal on all of our levels, and I think we got really deep and had a very amazing conversation with them. So I'm really excited to share this week's episode with you. Okay, let's roll. All right, everybody, we are in the call with B from Chicago. They are a Twitch streamer and so much more, but I'm not going to go ahead and introduce them. They are going to introduce themselves. So, B, hi. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Hello, friends. Thank you for having me. My name is B. I use they, them pronouns. And as um, you mentioned, I'm a queer and disabled variety streamer on Twitch. I'm not sure exactly everything you want to know right off the bat, but. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I went on your Twitch streams and I know that you stream mostly Animal, like Animal Crossing, Crossing and Sims, which, you know, I love. Um, something I thought that was really cool about your Twitch stream is um. It's like around you being an educator, kind of like your like waiting room kind of looks like a really cool classroom. Definitely a cooler classroom than I've ever hung out in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you have you go by Mix Plum B and you have like a little B and little beehive going on. Do you want to just talk about more of like, do you just like that stuff? Is there a meaning behind it kind of thing? My chosen name after I came out as non-binary is B. That's where like sort of the whole like hive community came from. Everything's themes with bees, with flowers with like orange yellow sort of all up that alley and with regards to the mix it's a gender neutral honorific so it's essentially the equivalent to mr or mrs if you're a teacher but for folks who don't identify as either binary gender and so that's kind of the combination like having sort of the b theme with the classroom and that kind of gig that's kind of where that the whole thing sort of came from the plum is just from the plum bob and sims um (laughs) because when I first started streaming like the first thing that brought me to the platform was I used to watch a lot of um, Sims YouTube uh, content Mm -hmm. so I would watch like Plumbella, Claire Siobhan, uh, The English Summer etc and I would watch them and I wanted to like play The Sims uh, on YouTube but then like YouTube's a really hard platform like it's just a little Mm -hmm. bit too much especially as someone who's very vocal about who I am as a person like YouTube is not friendly to marginalized creators. I don't think any social media Mm -hmm. platform is perfect but YouTube is probably up there with the worst in terms of like the amount of harassment and stuff people get and so I was just like yeah I don't know about this so when I found out that they were you know streaming and I kind of like meandered my way over to switch one day I was like this seems a lot more friendly and a lot more like you could curate your space right like right in a twitch stream I'll just hit ban like if you come in Mm. here acting funny then I'm just gonna kick you out there's nine million other broadcasters you can watch so I'm not gonna feel bad about you right being here so i think that's really interesting so basically what a twitch stream is for those of you that don't know do you want to explain it oh sure it's a it's a basically a live streaming platform mm-hmm. so and you can do actually really anything you want on there but i do think that the primary thing that folks do is either like chatting type streams where they mm-hmm. just come on and they talk to people or they host like talk shows and stuff or gaming but i mean there's everything from cooking to the infamous hot tub streams <laughs> um so the, it's it's a it's a it's a platform where you can do a, a lot of whatever you want on there but um i personally mostly mostly play games and chat with my nephews yeah i've been very intrigued with twitch for a little bit mostly from a I I went on Twitch maybe, I don't know, like two years ago. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like the next thing. Like I had a feeling. And then I was like, I'm going to buy Twitch stocks. Oh, Amazon was ahead of me. Uh, (laughs) Amazon also think this was going to be the newest thing. So they had basically bought all the stocks and were selling none. But yeah, it is really cool that you get to like live interact with people. And I thought what was really cool about the streams that I saw 
of yours was it felt very like inclusive and nice and like you were sitting in a room of friends, which I think that sometimes isn't always the vibe you get from Twitch streamers. That it's um a it can be aggressive. Yeah, it's it seems like it's a male dominated kind of platform. Um, so like how do you how did you start off like building a sense of community? I think there's a vast difference between people who are on Twitch because they're like gamers and people who are on Twitch because they want to build a community. Like I think you can sense that difference when you walk into someone's space, like And there's nothing wrong with someone else wanting to curate their space in a different way. But I do, like, I don't personally enjoy hanging out in those spaces because I'm Mm -hmm. there to, like, engage with other people in chat or the streamer themselves. And so from the get-go, I always kind of, like, emphasize to the folks who were in my space that, like, if you're here for, like, solid gameplay moves, like, this is not, (laughs) this is not the place. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, half the time I'm just running around in-game. Like, if you catch me in Animal Crossing, I'm like fast like running around my island doing nothing because I'm trying to like actually hold conversation with them and it's more Mm -hmm. like the game is just like a nice visual aid for us to kind of enjoy together instead of you having to like stare at my face the whole time (laughs) but primarily primarily we 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 are there for community friendship that kind of thing especially in the pandemic and like starting my whole space during Mm -hmm. quarantine and twitch kind of popping off during quarantine because you know we people didn't just want to watch content anymore they wanted to feel surrounded by other people with similar values and twitch kind of was like the market for that in terms of platforms yeah so when did you start streaming my very first stream was at the very end of september cool and then how often do you stream that has varied a lot over the course of my time depending on work situations i've had a lot of life shifts over the time that i've been a Mm -hmm. streamer between moving to chicago losing that job finally getting a job quitting that job so but I try to stream at a minimum of three times a week for three hours like that's my baseline goal and then I just wanted to say congratulations because I think you've reached three of your four goals for 2021 which I thought was really cool that you've already I mean we're only five months in so that's really cool (laughs) but like ultimately what do you want out of your I guess like twitch your twitch content and your streaming channel I just really want it you know, there are numerical goals, there are like those kinds of things. But like at the core of it, like I just want it to be a space where people feel like who they are is valued while they're there. Whether that's like a lot of time they spend there or a little bit of time, it's just somewhere they can come and they can be themselves and that that is like uplifted while they're there in the space. And I think we're doing that. And so regardless of how we grow numerically, my only goal is to make sure that vibe continues no matter how many people show up in chat. It was there when there were three and I would love it to be there when there's however many numbers. I love that. Awesome. So like what's been your favorite part about streaming and kind of like your streaming journey? You know, it's kind of funny, but a lot of times some of my favorite stuff is like sort of what happens off the platform. Like that's where I get to spend time with like the biggest chunk of my community. And I absolutely love, especially when we get into some like deep life chats on stream, we're just talking about our different life experiences and perspectives on situations happening in the world. And those are probably my favorite like streaming moments. But another thing I really, really like is a highlight is spending time with my community outside of stream. So we have a a community discord and in that space we'll sometimes we have a focus voice channel where folks will just come in and like do their homework or work on their projects together we play games in there sometimes we did a karaoke night one night like I really love like getting to know them more than like a username chatting in a chat then I can't like I can't I can kind of get a sense Mm -hmm. of who you are, but until you introduce yourself to me and I can really like learn more about you, it's a little bit one-sided. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about in the podcast about building community and what does that look like within social media because sometimes it can be very shallow. And I think that this is a perfect example of how you can build like genuine community with people who are like-minded and also are trying to grow. Something that I love about your stream in particular is that you do share a lot about like your life, your identity, and you're very vulnerable. So I guess I just wanted to see like how your experience has been being vulnerable online and 
if it has benefited or if there's anything that like you wish you would take back that you have ever said? I've always been like a very, I guess, part of the sleep kind of person. And that's mm-hmm. like, that, that's not like a Twitch specific thing. That's just kind of who I am. I read Brene Brown when I was quite young, like in high school. And ever since then really resonated with the idea that like, being soft, it can be a good thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing or a weakness. And I will say being a content creator is an industry that really tries to chew you up and spit you out if you're soft. So you have to really, it's a lot of self-reflecting. It's a lot of taking breaks to make sure like I'm still staying aligned in my purpose and why I'm doing what I'm doing and is, are the actions I'm taking aligning with what I'm saying I want out of my space and how can I adjust and course correct if needed. But I don't think I'll ever stop being vulnerable on the platform. And I don't think there's anything that I've ever regretted saying or sharing with my community because a big purpose, a big part of what we try to do is to let them know they're not alone. And so transparency is like in my space transparency on other platforms about what being a creator is like so other creators know they're not alone and how they're feeling is honestly the only reason I enjoy this so if that were to ever change I feel like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't really enjoy what I was doing anymore because it I don't like performing. I'm a neurodivergent being. Mm-hmm. I'm very straightforward. I'm very direct. And so if I had to like kind of hide myself behind some kind of like performative wall, I wouldn't enjoy this anymore. And I've always said if I didn't enjoy it, I just wouldn't do it anymore. Like mm. I'm not going to force myself to do this something that isn't benefiting me or the people in my community. Right on. I think that's important because you can definitely get carried away with like numbers or keeping going for other people. And sometimes you have to ask yourself if that's something that you are actually enjoying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen people like kind of, and torture themselves trying to make something work that's not working for them and I guess I wouldn't jump on the bandwagon to be like immediately stop streaming if it but but definitely course correct right like if what you're doing and how you're approaching it isn't working for you then like try approaching it in a different way even if that's not the the industry standard I mean Twitch is such a unique platform and that you're curating your own little space that of any platform where you could kind of do whatever you want and still see success, it I think it it reminds me of like old school like internet platforms like mm. Tumblr or not even no more like even back like MySpace where you could really like you can brand it you can mm. you know like it's not just everyone doesn't look the same you know every space you go to is different and so you can get caught up in like the tips of like this is the best way to grow but like what's gonna make you grow is like doing your own thing in my opinion at least that's by my experience and the experience of the people around me yeah I like that that's interesting because I kind of it's like if there's always like a new platform right we're always coming up with new platforms new platforms and new platforms but Twitch is kind of unique because it's for me, what I like about it is like, obviously it's like live interaction with someone. So you feel like a human connection that you can't really feel through like liking and commenting on a post because you feel like you're right there with that person. And it feels like unfiltered in a way and feels a lot more humane than some of these other forms of social media. But there's obviously people on the platform that it doesn't feel that way because there's a million people in a stream. So yeah. yeah, other platforms tend to be less curated, right? Like, or I mean, more curated. So like you're putting on more of a this is the best version of myself kind Mm -hmm. of thing when you're on like TikTok or Instagram like whereas you'll see streamers like I mean of course a lot of the a lot of them do like hype themselves up by trying to like whatever works for you but like you can just hop on the platform like in your pajamas and hang out with your community and nobody really cares whereas Mm -hmm. like other platforms I feel like there's pressure to be you know some type of way in order to to gain any traction can you make money through Twitch like is there a way to make money through Twitch and is this something like you recommend for people that like are trying to get into it or are you more into it because like you want to build community or like would it be great if you could make money while building community I mean I would be lying if I didn't say that I'm both (laughs) right like I love what I do and I in the main purpose will always be for the people that are in my space and that will never be my number one priority but I will say I think it's a little bit different as a disabled creator like this is an accessible form of income Um, it's a space in which I can essentially um 
accommodate myself, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's not like X number of PTO days I'm limited to, or if like I'm having a flare up and I need to take a break, like I can just do that for myself. I would not recommend someone getting on Twitch with like fiscal reasons being their primary purpose. One, I think people can read that. Two, you don't make a lot of money Twitch until you're big. Twitch takes 50% of every sub that creator gets. So, and then that, what you get from that is taxed. It's not taxed when you get it. You have to like be prepared to be taxed when tax season comes around. So that's wild. (laughs) That's something I didn't know. You're not making a lot of money. It's 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 gonna take a hot second for you yeah. to be able to get to any kind of level where you could consider it like a substantial portion of your income. But if you are a person who's looking for like multiple income streams and you're just looking for something that might like bump your pocket a little bit and you love what you're doing, then it can do that. That's cool. As you mentioned that you are a disabled streamer, what has that experience been like? And do you think there's like aspects of the platform that are not accessible? There are aspects of every platform that are not accessible. Mm-hmm. I mean, our world is is An is curated for able-bodied mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Um, and Twitch is no different. I think, wow, there are there are many a ways that the, the platform is not the most accessible. But again, I would like to emphasize that that's not unique to Twitch. And I think it's dependent upon like what your specific disability is, like the ways in which that might interact with how you create content. Mm-hmm. But for me, one of the things that, stands out is that content creation itself whether you're on Twitch or any other platform it is an industry that glamorizes grinding and consistency Mm -hmm. and disabled people like we can't control our consistency like where it's out of our hands whether or not we can like schedule streams to be the exact same time every single week so people know exactly where you are and people will say they will give advice with such gumption as if this is the only way to be successful on the platform because that's what worked for them. And I'm like, okay, but you can do that. And that's wonderful, but we can't all do that. Like I saw a piece of advice on on a tweet one time that, just really rubs me the wrong way. And I don't think that person meant it that way at all. They're actually a really nice person, but they basically said like, create a schedule and then don't like mess up your schedule. Like in their example was that in the four years or whatever they've been streaming that they were only late to like two streams. And I was like, that's great for you. That's never going to work for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and for reasons that are entirely outside of my control and so to present that piece of advice or any advice as the end-all be-all is it really like can put small disabled creators off from feeling like they can ever like make it and so a big part of my platform when I'm talking to other creators outside of my streaming space which isn't for creators it's for my community Mm -hmm. is reminding them that like their way the way that works for them can work whatever it is whatever the way they need to accommodate themselves they can still see success that way and I think that that would be beneficial for everybody (laughs) you know if we changed changed that model because being on social media the entire time is exhausting like feeding into what it's like it's capitalism you know so feeding into what they're selling you all, all, all of the time and feeling like you have to keep up in order to be successful and then beat yourself up when you can't meet those goals is a lot. Yeah. And in a platform like Twitch, where if you're doing it right, and you're curating like a, an actual community of people and you're not just like seeing people as like numbers or mm-hmm. usernames, they like my community will shout from the rooftops every time I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I have to cancel the stream. They're like, don't say sorry. You're fine. Take care of yourself. We'll see you next time. Like they want me to take Take care of myself they wouldn't want me to force myself into doing something because I mean you can see it it's a live platform if you're right. not feeling yeah. well or you're forcing yourself into streaming because you feel like you have to the vibes are going to be all off for the people who are there too so you're really doing them a disservice as much as you're doing yourself a disservice so and I mean like you said it it would benefit everyone like disabled Mm -hmm. streamers aren't the only one who struggle with this like grinding Mm -hmm. mentality there's parents on twitch who have families they have to take care of people are working they don't not everyone is a full-time twitch streamer like yeah and i think that the people that are giving that advice are doing it because that they do know that the algorithm rewards consistency and i think that's just kind of a bigger thing where we're seeing the algorithm favors certain groups of people and i feel like this is something they 
probably have not considered as the ways that they are favoring you know certain groups of people over other groups of people with this consistency thing and the reason why they want consistency is because they want more income so that's why that you know what i'm saying so like it's they just want you to go back to look at their things because then you're opening the app again yeah and you're like percent. Yeah. yeah that was my my i kind of made a response sweet to that because it kind of rubbed me the wrong way just had like kind of you know sometimes you read something it kind of stings different on a day that you just feel in like a little soft for whatever reason <laughs> yeah. like you can see it 10 times but that day it just hits different and that day i just felt like a little bit like i needed to remind people because that thread was going around so much and people were being disheartened that like you're going to be okay. You can do things how you need to do things. And that I'm not even mad at the people giving me advice, right? Because like you just said, like they're giving me advice based off of how the platform operates. They're mm-hmm. trying to be helpful, but I think we can just be a little more conscientious of what we give as advice as, as it catch-alls for everybody. Yeah. I think that with this podcast, some people ask for my advice and I, I always say like, don't do what me and Veronice did, which was invest a lot of money into starting a podcast because that's like the advice we were honestly receiving from YouTube videos yeah. and like things I was reading on the internet. And then I got into it and I was like, yeah, I did not need to do this. Like, And there's just a lot of barriers to entry. And I feel like, I mean, I've seen that with Twitches, like Twitch streaming, like some people's streams are insane. And I think it might seem a little bit unapproachable to other people when they have like amazing computers and even like chairs webcams people deck their stuff out which i mean no hate to them but it just like creates this like barrier of entry where you feel like oh there's no way i could do this and classism in streaming is like a real thing like when you wander Mm -hmm. around twitch streams and all you see is like the same tools in every stream Mm, you're like no like i don't have that can i i think it's important to remember and keep eyes on like where did that person come from right like and you can't see everything and things can be really like curated in a way that makes it look fancier than it is Mm -hmm. but like just remembering like where that person came from right like I have friends who are are wildly successful on the platform who started for many many months even years on a laptop they didn't have a pc Mm -hmm. my light is a lamp it's been a lamp. It has always been a lamp and it is still a lamp today. I still have the same webcam that I started with. I started with one monitor when I started and had to read chat on my phone mm. for my first streams. I had a chair off the side of the road. My desk is still from the side of the road and she's still going strong. Like I started with Apple earbud headphones for the longest time. I had my channel reviewed one time by a creator who does little channel reviews. And he was just basically saying like, this is an example of how like you know obviously be a teacher they don't have a lot of money but it's okay to like build up your tools as you decide this is something you really want to invest in and as you're able to which is a different timeline for absolutely everybody i love that here's the thing like ella and i when we first moved in together we don't live together anymore but our apartment was full of stuff that we found in the side of the road you make it work you move you buy things when you can And it's interesting that you say that that people put a lot of value in appearances when like credit's a thing. You might not actually own it. It might just (laughs) be something that you had credit for. Nobody takes pictures of the setups that aren't pretty. Yeah. That's the thing. Like there are so many streamers out there that are, you know, got things propped up on books and taped and the core management's not there. And it's all just kind of very much a hodgepodge arrangement that works for them for right now but nobody sees that right you only see the like I've been streaming for four years beautifully curated perfectly clean yeah led light lining everything in the room right exactly (laughs) I was wondering you mentioned you're non-binary and could you explain what that is to our listeners so I I was asked this question by a family member recently and I think it's it's a simple question and a difficult question and basically Mm -hmm. it just means that you don't identify identify as either like a binary male or binary female but what that means for each person can can be completely different I think a lot of times people think it means like somewhere in the 
middle, which people perceive as like maybe androgynous, someone mm-hmm, you can't mm-hmm. like read. But it also, there are people who are identify as non-binary who just feel like that idea of the spectrum, like they just feel like they're way off yeah. in a, a totally different world from, from that or none of the above. So how people feel about it, I think it's very different, but basically just someone doesn't identify as male or female. And then I had a question in extension to that. Like, did you have exposure to other non-binary people growing up or is it something kind of later in life? Oh, so definitely later in life. So in fact, that definitely played like a fundamental part in like why I started streaming as well and like what my experience was, which was that I grew up in rural northern Wisconsin, not exactly a very understanding place. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not exactly the most inclusive place. And my parents were, were both addicts. And so there wasn't a lot of time or energy I could give growing up to kind of figuring out who I was. Most Mm. of my energy was extended trying to survive basically and trying to get out, right? Like position myself in a way to get out. And my perception was that education was going to be the way that I was going to get myself out of repeating the cycles that they were in. And so I put my nose to the grindstone, which meant I didn't really explore. I didn't really play much as a kid. And so in college, when I moved to, so I went to school in Syracuse in upstate New York, I was finally able to like meet other queer folks, hang out at the LGBT Resource Center, worked there, learned a lot, went to some cool like queer conferences and was like, oh, Lots of things make sense yeah. now <laughs> um, and kind of like put all the pieces together as to who I was and what I was doing. And then after the call, after after university ended, I graduated, I moved home and then I moved into my own place eventually. And then the pandemic hit and I was living by myself in rural Wisconsin. And the only people I knew there were my parents who didn't, they know I'm queer because I'm like very obvious about it in a sense, but yeah. also like we've never had that conversation. Right. So Mm -hmm. like it's in the air, but nobody's really like it's not like I sat them down and was like, listen. Yeah. (laughs) Um, hmm. And I just didn't feel like I needed to and that it wasn't like a, the the pain that was potentially going to come out of the conversation mm-hmm. in the ways that they might respond wasn't worth trying to, you know. So all that to be said, I needed some kind of outlet to connect with other people who were like me because I couldn't go anywhere publicly during the pandemic to try and meet people. Right. I hadn't lived at home for four years. So the people I used to know for the most part were gone. Um, and graduated and done moved on to other things and so as I found like smaller queer communities on Twitch I was like okay like I could do this for myself and this could be nice and I could find other people like me while I wait for the world to kind of open back up I think that's really cool I think that you know I oftentimes am scared of social media for young people on some level but I also think it's an amazing opportunity to be able to join communities where it communities like the one that you've built on your Twitch stream might not exist in somebody's reality in their community and that's really beautiful because I mean the worst thing in life is like feeling alone so having an outlet where you can be anywhere in the world but have a sense of community is a beautiful thing to me so I really like love what you're doing thank you I think it's really cool too like those are those little moments where someone says to maybe you know you're on the right track at least I feel like I'm on the right track with what I'm doing it's like when maybe like a queer bean like takes a photo in an outfit that they can't really wear anywhere yet but then they can post it in the discord and we can all be like yeah like heck yeah like you look great and like really cheer them on or like someone tries a new name but they're only trying it in our twitch chat and I'm the only person who they're getting to hear like say it to them Mm -hmm. um these little things they can do where they can sort of take a breath and really be who they are in a space for a little while in their life, even if they can't do it everywhere yet, hopefully. Do you have any advice for anyone who maybe hasn't had the chance to explore their gender identity or their sexuality or anything? And, you know, I think like you went through your own journey, as you said, like you were trying to survive, so you didn't really like have time to think about it. So someone that's starting that journey, do you have any advice for them and how they can, I guess, like reach out and to other people in communities or figure out who they are? Everyone's journey is obviously so unique. But like, one of the things is just that to have fun with exploring, like sometimes it can feel like it has so much weight. Mm -hmm. Um, Every 
change you want to make or everything you want to try. And it, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go from like, say you're pre- presenting femininely, but you have an inclination that you want to try more masculine presenting styles or something like that. Like you don't have to go straight to like looking into like testosterone or things like that, that feel too extreme or too scary for you. If you're not sure yet, you can start with little things like trying a button up or styling your hair a different way and you can like work your way up into deciding if something's for you and you can have fun with that right like that doesn't Mm. have to be obviously it's a privilege in a sense like some people are going to face some backlash depending on what your life circumstances are but if you're able to like have fun with that process and don't feel like you have to go from like zero to hero in order to be trans enough or queer enough you know you're valid in whatever part of your journey that you're in basically take your time I don't know I think people feel rushed for me I like try to do things as slowly as I can in terms of like whatever I'm comfortable with and we might try a new little fun thing here and then I might think about something for six months before I try like another thing you know like you don't have to do it all right now today in order to be balanced. Yeah, I think that's really good advice to, you know, dip your toe in the water and have fun with it because I feel like sometimes it just feels... Feelings can be intense and like exploring that part of yourself can feel really intense because you want an answer for yourself and there also be like might be outside influences wanting an answer from you too. But just taking the time to just have fun with it. um, I think it's great advice. Yeah, 100%. And trying things with your like expression doesn't have to mean anything about your identity either, right? Like yeah. I think sometimes there's like this big fear about like if I do this one thing, then now I have a label attached to me. I'm not sure it's right for me. And, and it doesn't have to be that way. You know, it can literally just be something you like. That even if you're cis, like even like my roommate likes to wear heels. He's a cisgender man. He knows that, feels comfortable in that, but he likes to wear heels sometimes. That doesn't have to mean anything other than you like to wear he likes to wear heels. Exactly. (laughs) Like not everything has to because other people will look at you and label you doesn't mean that that like is correct for you. Because that's their own social construct. Right. (laughs) And it's interesting you say that because I was kind of thinking about growing up and I think for me I questioned my gender identity early on in my life but only because I had these societal stereotypes of what a woman was and for me when I figured out like oh just because I don't like dolls and I like cars and stuff like that doesn't mean that I'm like it's just interesting and like I like this like you don't need to attach labels to yourself or the labels that other people attach to you you can just be yourself and explore and that's totally okay I agree I've been I think I've been branching out a lot recently of just like looking at men's sections also because honestly sometimes I don't know what they're thinking with feminine clothing yeah and I'm just like why is the men's section like comfier and better and literally just like everything about it is nicer so yeah I've been exploring a lot with just like my expression and honestly like it's hard because you have to kind of rewire your brain of like all these ideals that you've had like growing up and question what is it that's actually like making me happy and what I think the biggest thing is like what am I wearing the the concept of fashion is like what are you telling people with what you're wearing but those are all based on pre-notions yeah so it's not really like up to me to tell people how like what I'm wearing what is telling Mm -hmm. me about me is what they think of me. Right. Absolutely. So one of your questions was like, do you think that the Twitch platform is like inclusive of everybody? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's important to bring up like that I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I think that there's an issue with all social media platforms, but Twitch is included with like palatability, right? So mm-hmm. I identify as both trans and disabled, but... To the naked eye, I look like an able-bodied white woman. And so that has played, I'm certain that that has played a role in how quickly I've been able to grow on the platform because Mm. I'm, you know, palatable to the average audience member who shows up on my stream, right? Um, I'm like, they're going to click that follow button because I seem readable to that. Like I seem palatable to them. They're, it, they are going to take me at first glance and then I can kind of be like, oh, okay, but there's actually like a lot more going on here. Right. Um, and we're going to have that conversation. But I do notice 
that like peers who maybe aren't as considered as palatable to like average audience members on Twitch because as is with anywhere in the world it takes them a lot longer to grow and they don't get the credit that they deserve on my end of things I do everything that I can to support them by like shouting them out and rating them and like showing up in their streams and like really just being there to like as a friend as well but I think it is really important to navigate that not only does the algorithm benefit certain people but just like any other social media platform it's also your responsibility as a watcher and a viewer to be willing to broaden your horizons and not just watch people who look like you so I see this conversation on TikTok but I think it Mm -hmm. transfers over really well which is people saying oh I don't see any like BIPOC individuals on my for you page well that's your fault (laughs) that's your fault you're not liking or interacting with any content Mm -hmm. of people who don't look like you so you're getting more people on your for you page that continue to look and think and act like you and so you as a viewer have to be willing to consume content of people who have a different life experience from you and engage with it. And the same thing goes for Twitch, right? Like you have to be willing to give people a chance. And I talk about this a lot in reference to um, being neurodivergent since like that's an experience I understand that like disabled and neurodivergent people aren't going to always stream the same way that like you're used to, right? Like Mm -hmm. they might not be super hype. They might be more like chill energy. They might take longer to read your messages or to process the information because streaming is like you know you're you're taking in the game we're taking in the chat and Mm -hmm. as your community grows like that chat is flying like faster than your brain can handle um sometimes and so just recognizing that like just because someone doesn't do something the way that you're used to seeing it in the big streamers the big like successful streamers doesn't mean that their way is bad and that you shouldn't like engage with what they're doing and I just think that's important because yeah. I think there's a lot of really good beans that I'm surrounded by all the time that that I just feel like don't they're working just as hard as I am they're work, putting just as much content out there as I am on other platforms if not more of just as high of quality and the algorithm and viewers just don't necessarily run in their favor and so it doesn't mean they won't be successful but it does mean that they have to work twice as hard for the same amount of recognition I really like that you said that just because um I think recognizing your own privilege is really important but also just that's something that twitch can work on you know like and then there's something that a call in action to viewers which is to interact with people that are unlike you to see more and more of that and I'm seeing twitch do better over time in highlighting marginalized creators which I'm very happy about I always think it could be better I'm always going to yell about the fact that the most requested item on like creator slash viewer requested things on the Twitch page is the trans tag still no trans tag still zero on like trans week of visibility nothing they just like didn't say anything and then the following week had an entire spread of social media posts ready for pet day Animals mm. on Twitch got more coverage. <laughs> I will never not be upset about the fact that animals on Twitch got more coverage and support than trans people did. Like, that is just bananas to me. On the other hand, you know, I've seen them do reels for, like, like front page reels for, like, Black History Month, mm-hmm. front page reels for, I think they're doing some now for Asian American Pacific Islander. So I see them trying. It's just sometimes it's like, huh. It's like they tried, but like they didn't really take in the, I don't know, I don't know who's behind the scenes necessarily. I don't know why this happens, but it's like, it gets there, but not quite there, right? Like putting- Who's their equity and diversity higher? Putting, during Black History Month, there were a bunch of like small to medium and larger Black creators that were put on the the front page, but no additional moderation was provided. So Mm. now you have X number of thousands of people in your chat that you didn't have before, who are screaming, like typing slurs in your chat, who are, you know, harassing and trolling and hate rating you because you've got increased visibility, but not increased protection. And so it's, it's, they're, they are trying, but they are lacking the nuance. And it's the same thing with like 
the tag debate about whether we should have identity tags, they keep saying like the tags are for your content and not for who the streamer is, is Twitch's kind of like response to us. But they don't really Mm. seem to understand that your identity fundamentally influences your content, right? Right. The way that I read and perceive video games that I'm playing is is a very queer reading of the material, the conversations that I'm having are very much influenced by who I am as a person. And so it's both my identity, but it's also my content. And when you're trying to build an audience of like-minded people, why not make it easier for viewers to find like-minded people? 100%. (laughs) And not just just for X month or X, you know, especially because that's then limited to only the creators that Twitch has identified, right? Like the people who get to be on the front page are people that Twitch have selected, even from those marginalized groups. So where does that leave, you know, really small creators? You know, a creator with 200 followers is probably not going to get an invitation to be on the front page, even if they are Asian American during the mm-hmm. Asian American and Pacific Islander period. So it's kind of, it's it's there, it's getting better, but it's definitely, it's definitely lacking nuance that would make it as impactful. Thank Look you for are you highlighting Twitch? Those. Yeah. Twitch. At Twitch, at Twitch, we'll, we'll be reaching out. out. We'll be writing Twitch, some Twitch, emails. Twitch, you're hiring. Are you hiring? <laughs> I'm here. Thank you. Yeah. Part of the reason that I started streaming, one of the things that I really like about streaming and the flexibility of the platform is that it very much reminds me of an educational space, but without the bureaucracy. Mm. Um, And so in my day-to-day life, a lot of my work has been in higher education. So like undergraduate students and high school students who are first-generation, low-income and disabled through like government programs that help them be more successful in either getting into college or staying in college because there's a lot of barriers And I have loved all of my work, but it has often been a situation I find myself in where the advice that I know is what that student actually really needs to hear is not in alignment with what I've been instructed to give them. Right. For a different reason. So to give you an example, a student telling me they really want to take a gap year before they go into college and they have a valid reason, maybe like mental health. um, They just really need a break or they're just going to they can tell that they're going to burn out right away trying to go into school. And I'm not supposed to tell them to do that because based off of our grant, we get more funding if they go straight into school, even if they don't stay, Mm -hmm. if they go immediately afterwards. So anyways, all that to be said was basically there were times where I'm not the type of person to not tell them what I'm going to tell them, (laughs) but I I have to, you know, risk my safety and my job security to do that, right? And Mm -hmm. in a curated space that's my own that I can do what I want with, I can support people in the way that they need to be supported, which is like validating them in whatever choices they need to make, which is is something really special, I think, that you can't do everywhere. Yeah, I had a very similar experience working in higher education where it's still a part of the recruitment process. And I was say this say that and I was like hey so I'm supposed to so when someone would ask me a question I'd be like so technically I'm supposed to tell you this but this is what I'm actually going to tell you exactly. and I did feel the same experience where it was like I'm kind of putting a risk because yeah. if this don't gets tell back, them I told you yes yeah, like <laughs> don't tell them I told you this but this is what you need to hear but that's exactly. more helpful I think and so it's like sometimes I could definitely see how bureaucracy could be infuriating because it's like who are you trying to help because I'm trying to help this student or you know this right. individual 100 percent and so that's I think one of the things that I have found to be the most beautiful aspect of it because you can engage in community care in a lot more of an authentic way than you can within an institution that limits like what that can look like. I also wanted to ask you what do you think people can do if they want to create a more inclusive space? talk about things during your streams. I think there are some people who really, um, I I think they fall trapped like victim to the like no politics rule, meaning we can't have any conversations about like identity and stuff. And like, that's like a whole can of worms, but like, I don't think human rights are politics exactly. Mm, Um, Yeah. And so recognizing that like, you don't have to have like, I mean, I, okay. On my end of things, I would actually argue you kind of do have to have political conversations in order to really support the, like, 
there's too many streamers out there who are like, my space is cozy and inclusive. And then I'm like, um, mm, is it <laughs> based upon what and for who? Because yeah. like, if you ask me how my day is going and I'm not allowed to talk about politics and in the last 30 days, there's been like hit after hit after hit and transgender, like, mm-hmm hate bills like I'm not doing the best and in order to express to you why or what I'm thinking about I have to talk about what you're deeming as political um so having those conversations and really recognizing that being able to avoid having those conversations and curating like spaces that are supposedly (laughs) um cozy so that you can like avoid the issues is really a privilege that my has in my discord i also have what we call safe nook channels which are basically identity-based channels specific for folks who are disabled uh, bipoc individuals folks who are queer and where they can like go and be only with people like them to discuss anything or vent anything they want about that they might not feel comfortable putting in like because most discord servers have like a like a real talk channel right where you can like just talk about maybe like more serious life stuff Mm -hmm. but people might not feel comfortable right like coming out and talking about like queer issues in a not queer centered space Mm. for an example so I've had a lot of luck with that and then moderate your chats please for the love of god get yourself some like solid moderators who like who align themselves with your values right? Because they are an extension of you. If your mods are not making sure your safest space, like your, your safest space, your space is safe, then they're really doing you a disservice and your community a disservice, right? Because I'm usually not current with the chat and most streamers aren't. Like you're mm-hmm. catching up pretty much all the time. And so you need moderators that are there and reviewing things so that if there's a slur or something that's thrown into your chat, it's not waiting until you get to that point in chat mm-hmm. and people have read it and been triggered and hurt by it to get rid of it or to address it. And so please get some moderators. And then you can do charity fundraisers or like mutual aid fundraising with your platform at any size. I've seen really small creators still fundraise really successfully. Um, And I always try to tell people about like, even if you raise zero dollars and zero cents, you're establishing the value foundation for your space, right? Like you're telling the people there, this is what we care about. And this is like, this is where we're investing our time and energy. And lastly, just like uplift creators who are different than you talked a lot about that earlier but like as a specific piece of advice for creators to not just viewers like recognizing the issue of palatability on the platform and doing what you can to uplift people around maybe are facing greater hurdles than you like I can be queer I can be disabled I can be like non-binary and still not face the same struggles as everyone else even people in those same like identity groups and so finding ways to support them by like shouting them out or if you get an opportunity right if a door opens for you that might not open for other people throw out the potential that like oh I have a couple other people like if you're looking for more people I could bring on board who would also like really benefit and align with what we're doing here whose names might not otherwise like get thrown out on the table even if you just need like a really easy way to uplift other people like just play games with people who have different life experiences than you because the conversations that are going to happen on stream are going to be more nuanced than you can hold you know like there are conversations I've had on stream with amazing other creators that are topics that I wouldn't have even thought to bring up right because it's not the life experience that I've held it's really cool to find people on different platforms that are having like a similar mission you know we have a podcast platform but like what a lot of what you're doing is like a lot of things that like we try to do at least (laughs) so it's nice even for like a personal on a personal level to hear things that I could be trying to do more of Exactly. And yeah, it's nice to find people who are doing it in other platforms as well and being able to connect with them because at the end of the day, like that's the only way that I mean, intersectionality is so important to share and explain. And I think that's something that you talked about in a way with like sharing different experiences, even though we're like similar, we're so different. So we're I'm just grateful you're here. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) B, thank you so much for coming on. We love having these type of conversations and I am I just really appreciate your time and what you're doing. I 
encourage everybody to go check out your stream it, and you can follow them on Twitter. Um, do you want to plug all your socials and your Twitch and everything? My my social media platforms are all exactly the same. MX Plumby. I'm most active on Twitter, TikTok, and Twitch, but I do technically have an Instagram and a YouTube <laughs> with nothing but a channel trailer on there, but hopefully one day, <laughs> one day it'll happen. Yeah. I have one other thing I wanted to just like plug real quick that yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. for you all or for whoever. Um, we are starting a, a new series on the channel in um, June called Humans of Twitch. It's basically um, curated and organized around similarity ideas of Humans of New York, if you're familiar. Really like kind of deep diving into like sort of the humanity and the stories behind creators because not everyone tells their whole life story on stream. Um, Mm -hmm. And so kind of like opening up some deeper questions with some really awesome people. So all the slots are actually filled until like 2022. So I'm pretty excited that we're going to be doing that every Sunday for as long as I'm on Twitch, it seems. <laughs> awesome. Exciting. Yeah. That is exciting. <laughs> and all of that will be tagged in the podcast description box. So please go follow, like, and if you've never been on Twitch before, now you have a great excuse to go check it out. Definitely. 100%. Well, th- thank you so much for being here and being vulnerable and willing to share part of your life identity with us we truly appreciate it and um we can't wait to keep connecting yes awesome yeah so b thank you so much for being here we really appreciate your time it was actually a lovely discussion i'm really excited yeah thank you for giving me a platform to talk about this stuff more i think the more we can talk about it, the better the platform can be. Plugs of the week. Plugs of the week. All right. So my plug of the week, I'm going to plug another podcast and it's called Black Gals Living. So Black Gals Living, these ladies are from over the pond. They probably are going to be like, that is the worst English accent. But they've Eng- oh, girl. So they're from England and they're really, really funny and very cool. And they're black people, obviously. <laughs> so Black Gals Living podcast. You could find them on Instagram, TikTok and where you get all your podcasting streaming. For my plug of the week, I'm shouting out Pinos versus the World podcast. It is our friend Harold Hill said he started a podcast with Jess Juanich and they talk about Filipino American views on local and national news and they have distinguished guests. So if you are Filipino American or you just want to learn more, definitely go check out their podcast. I believe it's an Apple podcast and SoundCloud. As always, plugs of the week will be on our Instagram. So make Make sure you are following us so you're able to get in touch with all our plugs of the week. All right, everyone, that was the episode. And we want to thank B again for coming on and sharing their story. It was really, honestly, I feel very gracious and my heart is really full for being able to share their experience with us. Yeah, I think that as we navigate through spaces, we don't often think about people who are differently able-bodied or have different identities than us. So having them come on the podcast, super grateful. Uh, Thanks so much again. And thank you all for sticking with us and listening all the way to episode 13, whatever we're on. (laughs) Baby, we're halfway, we're past halfway through the year. Crazy. Crazy. Um, Thank you so much for over five, 5,000 downloads. Y'all are incredible. We love your support as always. Keep supporting us. Like, follow, share our podcast. Please, please, please. Most people find us through their friends, so please just keep <laughs> on sharing the podcast. You can find us at thanks, the number for your concern. My personal Instagram is at Ella L. Tudor. And mine is at Berenice ADSM. Please leave us a nice review. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.